You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Hey, can you show some love to our worship team and all they do for us every week? And just leading us into the throne room of the Lord. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Man, I hope you guys are doing well. It's good to see you. Um, God is doing cool things in the lives of so many. It's just good to be here. If, you're, if today's your first time worshiping with us, my name is Matt, and I get the pleasure of being one of the pastors here at Vintage, and we're just so glad that you're here. Uh, we'd love to get to know you. You could uh, stop by the White Connections tent on your way out and fill out a response card there. Also, um, you could download our app. We have an app now that's just a tool to help you guys kind of connect more. Uh, there's a digital response card there. There's also a place where you can download some notes that are preloaded for today's teaching and the scriptures and that kind of stuff. So if you want to take advantage of that, that would be awesome. But I just want to remind you, too, that Venice Church is more than just a Sunday morning event. There is a lot going on around our church throughout the week. There's a lot of things happening. Um, right now, if you haven't heard, we are in the midst of trying to move forward to building our very first building. And to do that, we're launching a, an initiative called Above and Beyond. And our goal through this is we need to, we need to bring in about 175000 extra dollars this year to make this building happen. But we believe it can happen. And we just want for you to pray about whatever God wants you to do as far as that initiative goes. Um, so we've created some above and beyond uh, vision nights because you probably have questions and want to know more about what's happening and what's going on and maybe what you can do to kind of help us move in that direction. Um, so if you would, stop by that area outside and, and, and come hang out with me in a smaller setting and we can ask some questions and, and kind of learn more about our vision for this space. And on Sunday, February the 5th is when we're going to challenge everybody to kind of do whatever God's calling them to do as far as a commitment for the year. And it's going to be an awesome time. But there's all kinds of other things. Life groups are popping up like crazy. Uh, I've run into several in the community hanging out in restaurants and that kind of stuff. If you are not connected to a life group, this morning before you leave, head out and go up above the ramp, above the volunteer headquarters. A host team member can point you in the right direction. Chris Foster would love to connect with you and help you get connected to a life group. Also, our student pastor, Preston Steele, is going to be in that room today. If you're the parent of a 6th grader to 12th grader, he'd love to connect with you and figure out how he can serve you and let you know kind of some changes maybe that are on the verge in our student ministry. And we're going to Haiti in a couple months. Um, So that's going to be awesome. Pray for our team. We found out that part of this trip is going to be a camp out trip and people are flipping out. Um, so, I mean, literally, like, panic attacks and everything may be happening right now. Uh, so, pray. there's 13 of us going, and they're, they're still trying to raise their funds, and, and they would love to talk to you about our trip and what we're doing down there. Again, at the White Connections tent, one of our team members will be there to let you know how you can pray and support that initiative, too. But there's just a ton of things happening around our church, and so we just want to let you in, in the know of all those things. But I'm ready to share the word with you all today. Is that okay? Say amen. Today, we are in part two of a series called Home Life. And this series is born just because, you know what, what I've realized is the home, our homes are the front lines of attack by our enemy. Like the enemy is attacking our homes, our families, and trying to rip them apart, unlike any other season in the history of my ministry. And this came because we had a stretch there for almost a year where every single week we had a family that was contacting us to to, to come in for some counseling and just to connect with some things. And and just week after week after week, what we found is, is people are battling. Marriage is under attack, homes are under attack, families are under attack. There's just a lot of things happening. And you know what, just to be honest with you, I'm, I'm tired of watching the enemy win, and we're going to put a stop to it. 
And that's the whole point of, of this series is because what I've discovered is pretty much in every home situation that was struggling and battling, there were some similarities. Yeah, there were, there were some different factors and some different dynamics, but the things that were eating away at each and every home had some common denominators. And so God just began to put some things in my heart for us to talk about here. And there's going to be times when it's, when it's fun and we're laughing, and there's going to be times when we all get a little uncomfortable. But it's worth it in order to restore our homes to what God intended them to be. Amen? And so we start with this, we're going to wrestle with this question for a few weeks. How are things at home? And like if we're going to deal with this thing and if we're going to make our homes what they need to be, we're going to have to honestly wrestle with that question. And, and before you, single people or, or you might think, well, I'm not married or, or whatever, like I'm going to check out number one, you're part of a home in some way or fashion. Like you have a home and you're part of a family in some form or fashion and you're probably going to be a part of another one at some point in the future. And so I think these principles will translate and they will, you can relate to them just from relationship principles. But our goal is to establish our homes as what God intended them, them to be. Because I believe that the threshold of our homes should be a sanctuary. That they should be escape. Because we can all agree, the world is crazy. Amen. Like the world is just a crazy place. It's chaotic and it's stressful and there's a lot of things pulling at us. And I just believe that God intended our homes to be, be kind of an escape from that. That when we cross that threshold, we, we step into a place of encouragement and strength and unconditional love. Like that, that's what they're supposed to be. But if we're all honest, very few of us grew up in that kind of environment. The kind of environment, Isaiah Chapter 32, verse 18, this is what I think God desires for us. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, and undisturbed places of rest. Like that's my prayer for, for your home, for my home. That they would be peaceful dwelling places, secure homes, undisturbed places of rest. But the reality is very few of us grew up in that. And you know, I've been thinking all morning as we walk around in this building, we're in a middle school. And I wonder how many kids come and go from this building every day to a home that is so far from this. Very few of them go to this. Teachers, amen? If you're a teacher in the room, if you, you know this. And the kind, this kind of dwelling, this kind of home, it doesn't just happen. Like it just doesn't, but through coincidence, like it, it doesn't just magically become a place of rest and security and, and, and peace. Proverbs 24, three and, 3 and 4. By wisdom a house is built. Through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Like, in other words, these kind of homes, they don't just happen. It takes wisdom and understanding and intention. And so we're wrestling with the subjects that allow us to get to that place. And so we started last week, and, and I gave you the six things that if you do those six things, you'll completely destroy your home. Like, you, you, anyone, anyone or all of those things, if they're present, they'll destroy your home. And we can go that route, or we could actually approach our homes living the way Scripture calls us to live. And we read Romans chapter 12, and I said, what if we all just adopted that chapter, Romans chapter 12, and let our actions and attitudes be dictated by God's Word? And how different our homes would be if we adopted those principles and if we took the actions and attitudes that Paul talks about in Romans 12 into our homes, that they could be drastically different places. But in verse 16, there's a word that's used there that I've just not been able to get away from. Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony 
with one another. And that word I've just been wrestling with for a while, harmony. Like God wants harmony for our homes. And I would even submit to you where there is no harmony, there is no home. Where, where there is no harmony, there is no home. Harmony meaning this place of, of, of unity and, and peace. Like how often are our homes not described with unity and peace, but with, with division and friction and chaos? Come on. And that God desires for our, our homes to, be, to have harmony. And there's several passages of scripture that kind of point to those of us who are gonna make the decision to follow Christ, that, that harmony is possible and should be present. present. 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be what no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Does that describe your home? Perfectly united in mind and thought. Or what about Romans 14, 19? Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Ephesians 4, 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Like that God, if our homes are going to be what God intended them to be, then harmony has to be a part of it. Like that has to be something that describes the dwelling place that we've established. Jesus would say this in Luke chapter 11, verse 17. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and a house divided can against itself will fall like if we want to have the the home life that God desires for us there'll be places of harmony and and does that describe our homes right now and let me just go ahead and make a clarification harmony is not the presence of conflict harmony excuse me is not the absence of, of conflict see I think we think harmony and you think okay Matt so you say we're supposed to live in harmony that means we're we're never supposed to fight we're never supposed to have any disagreements we're never supposed to have tension that that's impossible harmony is not the absence of conflict harmony shapes how you deal with conflict I meet couples all the time but uh, we never fight liar <laughs> are y'all known each other for like five seconds or when we do premarital counseling, oh, we've never had a fight. I'm not marrying y'all. Uh-uh. Like, y'all need, to, y'all need to duke it out at least one good time so we see how this shakes out. Like, it's just inevitable. You put two people in any type of relationship, there's going to come a moment when conflict arises. So when I say harmony, I'm not talking about these kumbaya and everybody's bouncing around on clouds and, and rainbows are flying out your backside. I'm not talking about that. Because <laughs> conflict is inevitable. But how we deal with conflict and the types of conflicts that arise in our homes will determine whether or not they're the kind of, place of places of harmony that they're supposed to be. Because conflict is, is inevitable. Tension and friction are inevitable. James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet but you, do, you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So if we're going to start stepping towards homes of harmony, we're going to have to be honest about what's keeping them from being exactly that. 
Like we're going to have to be honest about the issues that are present that are standing in the way of our harmony. Because there are things that are happening that are seeking to destroy the harmony of your home. And I put these issues in, into three categories. There are three different types of categories of conflict and tension that arise in your home that threaten the harmony of it. And the first one is just dumb pettiness. Come on. We all have gotten into knockdown, drag out, we ain't speaking to each other type of arguments over dumb pettiness. Like you slept in separate rooms and it started with where she squeezed the toothpaste. Come on. You haven't, you've ruined an evening over the question, where do you want to go for supper? <laughs> Come on. Y'all laughing because you're like, that was Friday. <laughs> How many times has there been issues in your relationships, in your marriage, with your spouse, with your kids, and it just was over dumb, petty things that we allowed the enemy to blow up? and to rip at the fabric of our relationship. Just dumb pettiness. So often, that's where it is, and that's, for so many of us, that's keeping us from, from the homes of harmony that God desires for just dumb little petty things that we need to start learning to recognize and get over and not allow to wreak havoc in our homes. And you all know the ones that are kind of go-tos for your home and your relationships, because I imagine you're like me. There's a handful of little dumb, petty things that we fight about a lot <laughs> that we shouldn't. But that's, and those things, th th that's not the only category. There, there's two more. The second thing, that, the, the second category of issues that creates friction and, and conflict in our home is not just dumb pettiness, but what we'll call diverse perspectives. There's just diverse perspectives that were represented in a home that can create issues. You know, it's fun. I mean, two people come together or, or four people come together or six people come together. And a lot of times, all these people, you come from all different kind of backgrounds and you were raised certain ways and you had certain kind of like traditions and certain ways of doing things and how you spent holidays and all this other kind of stuff. And you put all this diverse stuff under one roof and it can be a perfect storm. And I know it's all, you know, at one point it's different, you know, opposites attract all becomes opposites attack. You know what I mean? Like, it's all cute when you're dating, but then when you got to deal with it 24-7, it changes a little bit. <laughs> but there's di di diverse perspectives that we have because we have different life experiences and different ways we were raised. And you know what? We got to learn to somehow appreciate those things and deal with them in grace and not allow those diverse perspectives and ways of looking at things to create the havoc that sometimes we allow them to create. And you know, tho those two areas... They're, they're difficult and they're serious, but they don't take nearly as much work to overcome as the third category that I want to talk about today. You know, the dumb pettiness, we, we can recognize those things and we can find a way to work through them and, and the diverse pers perspectives. But there, there's a, f a third category. And, and when issues are coming from this category in homes, it always really scares me because they're really, really hard to overcome. And I call that the category of differing principles. Differing principles. See, it's one thing to have just these little dumb, petty arguments. It's one thing to have kind of diverse perspectives. 
But when there are fundamentally differing principles represented within the home, it causes friction and conflict unlike any other thing. When people come together and they have two very opposing worldviews and principles and values that drive their lives, you want to talk about some tension, some friction, some conflict. See, it, it, it's the issues that are in, in this category that most threaten the harmony of your home and are the most difficult to work through. And, and within that, I just want to kind of quickly walk through some kind of subcategories within this category. Because when there are differing principles on these issues, it's going to be hard. You with me say amen. amen. And the first one is faith. When there are completely opposing faith perspectives, when people have two different theologies, when people see God and who he is and how he relates to them and what they believe about him, when there is a differing principle around faith, it is going to be really, really hard and tentious in a home. That's why Paul wrote, he wrote what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And now this is a passage of scripture that at times has been misused and manipulated and misunderstood. But I'm just going to, I want to read it to you and then we're going to unpack it a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 14. Paul says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what does fellowship, what can fellowship have? What, can, what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Uh, Paul is using some serious imagery and, and saying some pretty direct things here. First of all, let me tell you what that doesn't mean. This does not mean that if you are a Christian, if you follow Jesus, that you can't have friends who aren't. It doesn't mean that. That's not what Paul's saying. And sometimes we've used that as kind of like, you know, oh, but let me tell you something. First of all, we are called to spread the gospel, to tell people about Jesus, and you cannot do that when you avoid people who don't look like you, talk like you, think like you, or believe like you. Amen. That's not what he's saying. He is not saying that you can't have a level of relationship with people who don't know Jesus if you know Jesus. He is talking about a very specific level of relationship that if you're a believer, that you are called to avoid because he understands the friction and the problems that it's going to cause. Now, he says, do not be yoked. And see, some of y'all read that and you start thinking eggs. I mean, that's just kind of <laughs> the way we are. Because, but the imagery to this original audience would have been very, very different. Because it's really, it, it's a farming analogy. Because the way they would plow fields, they would take two oxen and they would put what was called a yoke. And it was basically something that tethered them neck to neck. Like it, it, it connected them together. And can you imagine two big, strong, powerful oxen yoked together in that thing if they're not on the same page? If they're not moving in the same direction, it's going to be painful for them both. 
And what Paul is saying is you cannot take and tether yourself to someone if you want to follow Jesus and live for Jesus and know Jesus and build your life upon the principles of Scripture. If you want to do that, you have to be careful not to tether yourself for life to someone who doesn't have that same desire because it's going to be hard for you both. You with me? Say amen. So he's saying like the the best way to do is just to, to avoid this. Because it's going to change things. And now let me just go ahead and say to the people in the room who are married to somebody who's not a believer, you're here by yourself today, or, and, and, and your spouse, husband, or wife, they're not a believer. This does not give you permission to bail out on that marriage. You cannot leverage and manipulate the scripture to do that. God wants to use you in their life. And no, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be difficult. But can I tell you from firsthand experience, I've seen God do amazing things through a loving, faithful, prayerful, thoughtful spouse in the life of their unbelieving spouse. And if you read Second, if you read First Corinthians chapter seven, Paul goes through all this and challenges us because Paul's writing to a church where people are beginning to get saved and so you'd have a, a husband and a wife who are both non-believers and somebody would find Jesus and now they have to go home or they, they go home to that, that unbelieving spouse and it was creating tension then and he addresses that in that chapter and you don't, you cannot use that as leverage to bail on your marriage. But I think one of the reasons why this is important, I think it even goes beyond just your perspective on Jesus like because when if we're going to build our lives on Jesus and follow Jesus that means we're going to build our lives on what his word says and that we're going to allow ourselves to form opinions and a worldview based on God's word and you know what's weird you know anymore I don't even know what a Christian is anymore because we got this Christian and this Christian and they believe in Jesus but in all a lot of other very very important things they have very very different views and it's creating tensions in homes. And you need to make a distinction between what's personal convictions and what's biblical absolutes. And can I just, I know this ain't gonna be popular, but there are some things that God's word, anything that God's word has said, that no matter how much we progress, it ain't changing. There are certain things that God's word says about a lot of stuff, and I know we're in a culture right now when it seems like we can change that and we can choose, pick and choose what we're going to believe. The Bible ain't golden corral. It ain't the buffet. Take what you want and leave what you don't like. Come on. And it's important not just to have alignment about Jesus, but also very, very important fundamental beliefs. Because if you don't, it's going to create friction. It's going to create tension. And the reason why I bring this up first is because, you know what, if, if there's a differing principle on faith, there's probably going to be a lot of differing principles on a lot of other things. Because our principles about faith shape the way we view everything else, do they not? But there's some other things that are shaped by faith that I think cause a lot of issues. Like when there's differing principles on family, and the roles that are in it, and the relational priorities that exist there. And when you're trying to deviate attention between spouse and kids and in-laws and all these other things, it can get really, really muddy. And you know, I hear something in our culture, well, I'm, 
I'm going to love my, my family member more because they'll always be my family, but they may not always be my spouse. Can I submit to you that already shows a fundamental break in the way we view marriage and what God intended it to be. Ephesians 5.31, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. And there's differing principles about family and the role of family and what family looked like. It can cause a lot of tension and friction. When there's differing principles about the future and where we're going as a family and where we're headed and what our goals are, it can create a lot of problems. When you have people under the same roof and they have two different pictures of what life is going to be like down the road, it's going to cause some problems. Come on. Because you know what? Your family can only go in one direction and at one, de- one destination. You ever try to do a three-legged race? You will tear your legs up, break an ankle. It's hard. You know why? Because usually where it goes wrong is when two people start wandering in two different directions. It's painful. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Do two walk together unless they've agreed to do so? Because if you're going to join hands, become one, join together as a family unit, and decide we're going two different directions, it's going to create pain and tension, ain't it? Friction. The closest my wife and I came to not getting married was when we had this conversation. We sat down, I'll never forget, it was on this big swing on the campus of the college we went to, and I looked her in the eye and I said, can you be a pastor's wife? Because she grew up in a small town in South Carolina her entire life. That's what you did. You stayed in that town. You know, and if her idea was we'll stay in one town for the rest of our lives and we'll be in the same town in South Carolina as my mother-in-law, that ain't happening. (laughs) God's got a bigger plan. (laughs) When, you know what, if I'm going to follow, I hope my mother-in-law don't listen to this podcast video. I'm in trouble. (laughs) I love my mother-in-law. I love you, Debbie. You're, You're awesome. But you know what? When I'm following God, we may be in the same town for the next 50 years, or God may call us across the world. And if your idea of our future is this, and mine is this, and we're pulling in two different directions, it won't work. The goals that you have for your future, we had to talk about, the, are we going to have kids? Do you want kids? Like we had to talk, have that conversation about our future and what it's going to let. I know things can change and evolve, but when we have differing principles about where we're going and we're trying to, as one, walk in the same, di- in two different directions, it's going to create tension. If there's differing principles about finances, it's going to cause problems. When there's fundamental views on how we budget and how we spend money. And you know why the reason I'm listing these things is because these are the ones I've watched time after time after time rob a home of its harmony. When there are opposing principles, differing worldviews, differing value systems, it's going to create problems. And now here's, here's the thing. There's a lot of people thinking, all right, we're in that category and it's really easy, like if I just stopped here to feel like really dejected and feel like we're, we're in deep trouble. Can I just go ahead and admit, I want, you to, I want you to feel the tension of that. I want you to feel the pressure of that. But I also want you to know who God is and what he's capable of. That nothing has to destroy your home. Like, like don't quit. Don't give up. I'm not saying to throw in the towel. What I'm saying is let's acknowledge it. Because until we acknowledge it, we can't fix it. 
until we're honest, okay, is, the, is what's robbing our home of harmony, is it really just some dumb pettiness that we need to figure out a way to get over? Or it is, is it just these diverse perspectives that we need to learn how to give grace with and understand? Or are there some differing principles that we're going to have to thoughtfully, prayerfully work through in order to find and restore harmony in our home? And I wish I could give you like a really, really fail-proof way of making that happen, but I can't. But I want to just give you a few things, just as, as some things that I've learned and things that I think that will help. The f- first thing is you've you got to resolve this question. Are you trying to win the argument or resolve the issue? You know there's a difference. I can win an argument because I'm a pretty good talker. But you know what? Sometimes just because you may win the argument and your family lose. What's your goal for attacking this issue? Is it really to win the argument so you can be right and say, I told you I was right? Or is it to really resolve the problem, resolve the issue that's threatening the harmony of your home? If you want to really resolve the issue, let me just a few practical things. Number one, search for truth. Search for truth. Especially if it's a differing principle, a fundamental thing. Can I just, will you have the courage to dig into it and ask this, what does God's word really say? What does God's word really say? Are you willing to dig and dig and dig and find out and, un- and, and prayerfully and thoughtfully dive into his word and figure out, all right, this issue that we're fighting over, it's not about my, my opinion or your opinion. What does God really say on this topic? Remember that the word of God is alive and, a- and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. What does the word really, really say? Search for truth. Second thing, swallow your pride. I read that first part of Romans 12, 16 that said live in harmony with one another. I don't think it's by accident that the next four words are do not be proud. Like if harmony is going to happen, you're going to have to swallow your pride. Have you ever had a moment where you were right in all the wrong ways? Swallow your pride. The next thing, speak with grace. I've sat in front of families and just been dumbfounded by how they speak to each other. And I know it gets tenuous, and I know tempers rise, but speak to one another with grace. Follow the advice from Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And the final thing is seek wise counsel. I rarely see a problem, especially in the area of differing principles that can be resolved without help. Seek wise counsel. And I'm not saying that should be from from me. I'm just saying seek wise, somebody that you trust, somebody that you know, somebody that will be objective, somebody that is fighting for your family and not on your, see, we'll go, we're going to go talk to to my daddy. No, we're not. Because your daddy's always on your side. We're going to go talk to somebody who is, and that's the first thing I tell people is I'm not, I'm on the side of your marriage. I'm on the side of your home. Seek wise counsel, Proverbs 12, 15. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. God wants harmony in your home. And there are things that are coming up that are threatening it. 
And I have a good idea that you know what they are. And I want to challenge you today. Don't fight in your home. Fight for your home. And if you're sitting here and there's something really big that's tearing at the seams of your relationship, of your home, can I just say, God is able. I've seen God restore what everybody else said was impossible. I've seen healing happen in marriages, in homes, reconciliation between parents and kids. I've seen God do amazing things, and there's not a single thing that's threatening the harmony of your home that God can't equip you and empower you to resolve and fix. But you're going to have to be honest. Would you bow your heads close your eyes with me? Will you do some work with me today? Will you be honest? Will you be real with yourself, with your family, about whatever it is that's threatening the harmony of your home? And when you deal with it, step one today is just acknowledging it. The real work's going to happen when you walk out of this room And you're forced to face it head on. I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you just want to be honest, hey, Matt, our home is not the presence of harmony. There's a lot of friction. There's a lot of our relationship, our situation. Harmony just hasn't been the way to describe it because there's been things that have been just ripping at it. And you just say, Matt, will you pray for me? Pray for my family. And let me just tell you something. Do not let pride or shame, because we all are battling this battle. Will you just throw your hand up so I can pray for you? Throw them up and keep them up high in the air, high in the air. Let me see them. Let me see them all. Amen. Awesome. Amen. 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 You can put them down. Just a moment. We're going to worship. And if you feel led as we worship to grab your family or your significant other or your whoever, it, whatever place of relationship you need to start stepping toward harmony to come and kneel around and pray. I'm going to invite you to do that. But we're going to worship and allow God just to do some work. Father God, I pray that right now that you would do work in this room and that you would help people have the courage to be honest. God, their relationships, their home, their marriages, their families, they're too important not to fight for them. They matter too much to allow the enemy to rob them of what you have created them to be. And so God, right now as we worship you, I pray your spirit would just penetrate hearts and open minds. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.